0: new life church thanks for listening in we exist as a church to connect people to the heart of god and to a family within the church and we believe that jesus is the way we hope this message blesses you and gives you hope today all right new life church what a worship set this morning, man! Thank you guys for that. That's uh, that's music to my ears, man, and I know the Lord loves it too. He said, "Make a beautiful noise," and that was beyond beautiful. So, uh, thank you guys for that. Fitz, uh, I-, I don't know how you're trying to get that nickname to stick, but I'm just telling you, man. Like uh, you know, Billy-, Billy Ray Cyrus, he was the uh, I think he's probably the only person in history to be a one-hit wonder twice. You know what I mean? Like, like, twice, like in two different decades, man. Like, like the guy can't sell a whole album, but, man, he can drop singles like nobody's business, right? Like, uh, it, it's just uh, it's so crazy. But, uh, man, I, I love you, Fitz. And uh, I was over there talking to Fitz uh, earlier. And uh, hey, watch out what you tell a pastor uh, right before he goes on stage. Uh, I'm just throwing that out there, man. Like, like, you never know. It might end up in the sermon. I'm just throwing that one out there for you. But, um, nevertheless, uh, Fitz, what he was talking about was uh, – my, my wife and I, we, we, we're doing what we like to refer to as uh, spiritual chiropractics. Um, every now and then, we, we all just need to take an inventory of what it is that we've allowed in our life to figure out whether or not the, it, it's of God. You know, And I'm not even talking about sin. I, I'm talking about sometimes we let things in our life that are perfectly good... Um, that just aren't really what God has for you, you know? And uh, and so sometimes you just got to realign it and, and you got to focus on what it is that God wants for you. So that way that you can know that you're going in the right direction. Scripture actually says uh, that a man that has zeal should be careful uh, because he might run in the wrong direction. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, I think a lot of us have a little bit of that inside of us. But uh, if you guys have not had a chance to meet me, my name is Blake. Uh, my wife, Ashley, and I, we are the... Uh, directors of M18 Recovery. M18 Recovery is our local in-house addiction recovery ministry. Uh, We actually have not been at this campus uh, really in a while. We, some people thought we got lock, locked up in sin or something, but just letting you know that our marriage is doing great, uh, stronger than ever, uh, but we've actually been traveling around to New Life churches across the state of Arkansas uh, and, and getting an opportunity to speak. And man, I'll tell you guys, if you get a chance to do that, go visit uh, other churches. We, we have 18 churches across the state of Arkansas and it really puts it into perspective uh, what we're a part of here and how special it is. Uh, and so we love the opportunity to get to travel and to get to go to other campuses. A um, little confession pastors are people too. Um, we, we, uh, we, we were at a church uh, the other day and they, they had altar team, and this lady comes up to us and uh, she's wanting us to pray. And uh, Ashley's there, you know, a head shorter than me, and they're there talking about the issues. And Ashley taps me on the shoulder, and I, I look down and she said, Pray for her. I said, Okay. So uh, I'm praying down heaven's angels to encamp around her. And, and, and I think that I'm praying for a woman who had lost her child to a drug overdose. Turns out, I'm praying for the wrong person altogether, and I am praying for a woman whose husband has a pornography addiction, and so you can only imagine the confusion that was happening at that altar. Uh, It's something that just happened, and uh, I I just wanted to openly repent and admit to that. uh, That every now and then, you know, we've got some confusing things that are happening, but you can only imagine being that woman that's like, "What is this dude talking about?" Uh, But nevertheless, uh, just a little confession there, uh, hoping to light in the room a little bit the conversation that we've got that we're going to talk about today it can just get a little heavy uh, but I do have some praise reports that I want to bring up from M18 um, got a, a message the other day we, we had a resident his name was Carlos uh, Carlos was the uh, first primarily Hispanic uh, or primarily Spanish-speaking resident that, that we had. And so we told him, you know, we expect big things out of you, my friend. Uh, since then, uh, he, his family, they would sit in the, uh, in the audience. They wouldn't even really know what was going on. They, they didn't speak English at all. Uh, his dad had actually, uh, as, a, as a child, uh, been homeless on the streets of Mexico. And so, I mean, like, the, this family, they would migrated over here. Uh, but now they've been actively a part of NLC Español uh, since Carlos graduated. Uh, because Carlos, coming to know Christ, uh, he's ushering uh, at NLC Español. And both his mom and his dad just recently got baptized at NLC Español in Conway. So, it is so cool. I was just thinking about this morning, just how... Happy I am, man, that we go to a church that just reaches across cultural lines and that we can all come together in our worship because I think that is exactly what heaven's going to be like. Uh, And it makes me incredibly happy. Uh, Another shout out, another praise report we got. Um, So Friday nights at 6 p.m., we now have a ministry that meets here. It's called Redeemed. Uh, JJ is a graduate of M18 and uh, he and his uh, wife Grayson, uh, they lead the ministry called Redeemed and it's a recovery ministry that we have here. It's a fellowship uh, where people can come, they can share their experiences, their stories. It it revolves around chemical dependency and substance abuse and uh, it's just a place for people to to know that there are others out there that are like them and a place where they can find friends and they can find family and they can unite and they can have that shared experience. Uh, But man, we're just so happy to have that here at this church. It met over at Wolf Street Foundation for a while, uh, but they decided to move it over here, and this campus cannot be happier to have that. So if that is something uh, that you or a loved one would be interested in, we meet here at Fridays at 6 p.m., and so, man, I just want to give it up to JJ and uh, Grayson, and thanks for what God's doing in their life, and uh, we just appreciate them and everything that they do. Um, Every day at M18 Recovery, we get to pastor people who have addiction issues. Uh, Basically, what what addiction would be if you were a Christian is it would be classified as a habitual sin. Uh, That's the conversation topic that we're going to be around today. Uh, The title of the message, if I had to title it, it would be when trying harder isn't enough. It's like what happens when you're trying so stinking hard, but it's just not enough? Like I remember at New Life Church, I rededicated my life three different times across the span of a decade in three different New Life Church buildings, and I just couldn't kick the addiction. Like I couldn't get this habitual sin out of my life. There was something that had its hooks in me that had a hold to me. And I just, I know that there's a lot more people out there that have habitual sin in their lives. Like it's something that we all can struggle with and we can wrestle with. And it looks different in each and every single person. It looks the same in some. Some of you guys right now are already thinking about what it is in your life that is habitual, that you can't kick. It's a sin that you keep going back to. And and here's the thing, God, wants you free from that. Like he wants you to to finally be able to relinquish that and give it to him. And we're gonna talk about that today. You see, as a Christ follower, habitual sin, it's something that reaches across the the, the board. We all have it. And and here's the deal, if you're sitting here today and you're, you're saying, get them pastor, get those sinners. Bro, I'm telling you, yeah, judgmentalism, that's your habitual sin. You know what I mean? Like, you had to work through that. There was a group of people just like you in the Bible called the Pharisees. Jesus roasted them more than he did anyone else, I promise you that. But look, sin, it goes across the board. Some people struggle with anger, some struggle with complaining, some struggle with drugs, some struggle with lust some struggle with porn, some struggle with just about gossip, like anything that you can think of across the board. That is what we call our sin struggle. Sometimes these sin struggles, these habitual sins, can literally drag out over spans of years, if not an entire lifetime. So, a disclaimer, I just want to let you guys know um, that if you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, do not think for a second, that you have to clean yourself up before you come to know him. I'm telling you right now, Jesus wants you right where you're at because here's the thing, you can't clean yourself up without him. Jesus wants you as dirty as you walked in here because we are all dirty in comparison to a holy God. And so with this message today, it's not about trying to be perfect because here's the deal, we are all works of progress, not works of perfection, right? Like each and every one of us are always gonna be sin. It says our righteousness is as filthy rags. What I'm trying to talk to you about is sin, not for the sake of your salvation, but for the sake of your sanity, right? Like habitual sin has such a toll on our mental health. It's like we do the things, like you can read in Romans chapter seven and you can see the angst in Paul's voice where he's like, I wanna do what's right, but I keep failing and I keep falling short. And what I'll tell you is Jesus is there to pick you up 100% of the time and his grace is absolutely sufficient for every single sin that you have in your life. And there is no sin too great for the blood of Christ that he can't cover it. But man, It causes you to go insane. The negative effects of sin in your life. Think about it. The guilt, the shame, the regret, the defeat, the separation from God. Like these are all things that sin that it, that it does in our life. And Jesus doesn't want you to live there at all. He wants you to give all of that sin to him. But here's the thing. Habitual sin, it actually amplifies this. Because now we're thinking, I do this over and over and over and over, and I can't seem to kick it. Like, what gives, right? Like, am am I the only one here that feels that way? You see, habitual sin, it will cause us to have our faith diminished. Like, how many people have ever bought into, if God loved me, he wouldn't allow me to have this, right? Like, 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 I've prayed over and over, and God has not removed this from my life, therefore, maybe he can't even be real. Like, does God have the power to do it? Look, I'll tell you right now, I I was an IV meth user, and I can remember sitting in my room, even too graphic to describe what I was doing to myself. And, And I cried, and I cried, and I cried, and I said, God, take this. He didn't take it. But he did provide an opportunity. He provided a way out. Luckily, the Sharps County Sheriff's Department kicked in my door a couple days later and I ended up in rehab for two and a half years, right? But that's where I found my relationship with God. You see, a lot of times, God doesn't want to remove it from you. He wants to give you a way out. He wants to show you how that you can move forward in your life so not that you can go around it or get out of it, but so that you can go through these things. You see, whenever we experience true freedom from sin, it causes the opposite of all of those negative things. Innocence and blamelessness, will replace guilt and shame. You know the difference between feeling guilty and feeling innocent? Where my criminals at, come on. Y'all know, y'all know what it was like when the cops showed up and you weren't doing anything wrong, right? Like, come on, man. What, what's it like to look at the cops in the rear view and know that you're riding clean, right? Like, it's a beautiful thought, man. You're like, oh, yeah, I know that I got tags, insurance, and everything, you know what I mean? Like, like what's he gonna do, ride me a no seatbelt ticket, click, not anymore, you know? Like, be Being clean, being blameless before God, that's something that we all desire in life. Instead of having the uh, separation from God, we have closeness. Come on, y'all. Y'all know what it's like to be walking with God and just be in constant communion with him and the Holy Spirit, and you just feel like you're walking on clouds, and you just know that he's with you, and you can feel his presence, and then here comes that habitual sin. Now goes the guilt. Now goes the shame. Goes the separation. We don't have to live that way anymore, guys. Instead of being defeated, guess what? You will be a child of the king. Do you know the boldness that comes with being a child of God? Like the trials that you can withstand? It's amazing whenever you don't ever have to be separated from God. You see, tragically, there's some power houses in this room today. There are people that are filled with the Holy Spirit, that God has been blessed with the gift of evangelism, that you won't even talk about God because you're so condemned and ashamed of the sin that you have in your life. God wants you free from that. As a bonus, God will give you supernatural faith in his transformational power and ability because you know that if he can heal you from the sin that has entangled you, that he can do it for anybody. Why? Because we all know how bad we actually are when left to our own devices, right? Everyone's heart is inherently evil. That's one of the reasons I love hanging out with people that are in addiction. It's because they know how far left to their own devices they can actually take it. But they've received the grace of God, and because that, he's given them a mission. He's given them the ability to speak into people's lives who are lost like nobody else can. So God wants to take that habitual sin struggle that you have in your life. He wants to restore you. Why? So that you can go out and minister to other individuals that are held in that same bondage. Because I'm looking at you right now, and I'm telling you that not one of you are struggling with something that somebody else in this room isn't. The devil, he wants you to think that you're the only one. You ain't. All sin is common to man, all sin. And whenever left to our own devices, it is amazing what we were all capable of. See, here's the deal. Some people just got a more elaborate mask than others. Some people are a lot better at hiding what their sin is. Other people, not so good, <laughs> right? <laughs> but in but the heart, at the root of all of this is sin. That's it. And how do we crucify that? Well, you see, one thing we do is we share the love of God with others, right? In Galatians 5, verse 13 through 14, it says, For you have been called to live in freedom, but do not use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. When you find purpose in amidst your sin, boy, that's rocket fuel, Like, now you got something to live for, right? Like, whenever you can talk about the worst parts of your life and your character defects, and that's what God wants to use to help you change and deliver others, and that's what God has gifted you for his kingdom and his glory, it's a game changer. You see, right now, there are uh, people in this room that they're just bound up. God is trying to free you and release you from that. So, how do we get rid of the sin in our lives, Right? That's the million dollar question. Well, first off, there's a prerequisite to this course. If any of you guys know about prereqs, you know what I'm saying? Like, 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 like you, have to, you have to have completed this before you can move any further. This isn't behavior modification. We're talking about a transformation of your heart that is brought on by the Holy Spirit through your belief in Jesus Christ. Like if you're not there yet, that's cool. Like, I mean, it, it is what it is. Don't, don't lie about it. At least be honest with it because you gotta be honest with yourself. But we have to have the power of the Holy Spirit within us as our, as our guide. Like he, He's the one who's going to lead us through this journey that's going to reveal all these things about ourselves and our character. And he's also going to be the one that gives us the power. In Philippians 2.13, I could preach this verse every sermon and I might. I don't know. Let me know. But uh, for God is working in you. God is in you, working, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Man, that's good news. Because I, by myself, Blake Polston, do not have the desire to do anything that pleases God. I certainly don't have the power to execute it even if I did have the desire. But God, what's he doing? He's working, he's working. He's the one that's working. It's a progress, we're works in progress, not works of perfection, remember that. But we've gotta have this. In order to get rid of the sins in our lives, Here's what I want you to remember. When sin gets an attitude, drop it like it's hot, right? (laughs) Here you go, y'all gonna remember this one, I promise. Drop it like it's hot, the acronym, H-O-T. Honest with yourself about your problem. Have to be. Second, open to doing what it takes to change. And then last, be transparent with another person about your struggle. I'm gonna go in, and we're gonna tackle this, and we're actually gonna talk about each one of these, but first, be honest with yourself that you have a problem. Like, you gotta know that it's a problem, but you have to be honest about it. And 1 John 1.8, says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Like, we all have sin in our lives. The people that have been thinking about the sin struggle that they have in their life since we began this conversation, you guys are in a good place, right? Like because you already know what it is that you need to work, and that's good news because the Holy Spirit's working within you. He's the one that is stirring you. Look, after this message, I don't want you to be shaken. I want you to be stirred. Right? Like I'm not a bartender. Like like I I, I mean I, I could be, but I'm I'm not. Um, but. What we want is we want you to to be stirred with the Spirit, not defeated. Like God said, feed my sheep. Don't beat them. Like this is encouraging. Like God wants you to overcome these struggles in your life, but he's going to give you the power to do it. You see, there's no shame in admitting that there's areas in life that we have downfalls in. And I I think about when the Apostle Paul, whenever he writes um, in, in Corinthians, he says, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power can rest on me. Think about that. It's the weaknesses that we have in our life that allow Christ's power to rest upon us. See, the enemy wants you to think that whenever you admit or that you show that you have struggle in your life, that somehow that that makes you less than or that people are going to condemn you or that people are going to judge you when in fact it's quite the opposite. Uh, I remember whenever I went to rehab, I was always terrified of what people were going to think of me. And I was so embarrassed of wearing my my rehab red uh, John 316 shirt out in public. Um, but it was the exact opposite effect. People were so proud of me. People were praising me. They were talking about how that they were just so excited of what I was doing in my life. And, and, and it was the exact opposite. It was like whenever the woman was caught in adultery and they brought her down and set her there and everyone wanted to, wanted to stone her. And Jesus said, hey, he who is without sin, throw the first stone. And eventually everybody walked away. Like that's the exact situation that happened. No one was there throwing rocks. And it's going to be the same for you. People are going to praise you. They're going to tell you how proud they are whenever you finally are honest with yourself and you admit the struggles that you have because what you may or may not know is that you think that your struggle is hidden, but the people that love you and care about you the most, they know, right? They know. I think that sometimes we also have trouble being honest with ourselves about the sin that we have in our lives because we're actually blinded to what sin is, right? Right? Like, like, I, I think that, that the way that we live in the world and the society that, that we're a part of, I, I think that sometimes we just don't know what sin is. Uh, I've noticed in the recovery world, this is kind of funny, uh, but it's true, that, um, that if you are pretty good with the big three that you're living a pretty good Christian life. Uh, and you ask, what are the big three? Drinking, doping, and whoring. So if you're, if, you're not, if you're not sleeping around, if you're not locked up in sexual sin, if you're not drinking and if you're not uh, shooting dope, then, then you're living a pretty good life. Like that, that's kind of what the recovery world has it. But man, it is so much deeper than that, guys. I, I think that we're actually blind to sin though for, for a few reasons. Um, first, I think we've justified sin a lot. Like, like, like I think that we've got so accustomed to our sin that we've given it a name and, and, and gave, you know, put it, got it a bedroom at our house, like we just leave it there. And so we've justified it, uh, but it's still sin nevertheless, even though that we're, no longer, we're no longer sensitive to it. We, we've calloused ourselves to that. Uh, it's still sin, and, and it can still be habitual. Uh, second, we've allowed society to dictate how we feel about sin. It's like whatever is going on in the mainstream media, whatever it takes for us to fit in in life, whatever it takes for us to fit in at our job or our friend circles, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just allow any sin uh, that wants to come on in, and, and we'll just divide it, and we'll just give it a seat at the table. Um, and then second, or third, sorry, uh, we're unfamiliar with God's word. I think that's a big one. In fact, what I want you to know is anything that goes against God, it's sin, and, and, and if you think that you're acing it, please know this. There are three different types of sin. There, there's, there's the sin of commission, which we're usually pretty good about that. That's if I, if I kill somebody, that's a sin of commission. Uh, there's the sin of omission, which means I know there's something that I should be doing, but I don't do it. And then there's the sin of disposition. All right, this one's a trip. Uh, the sin of disposition means that you're carrying something in your heart that's unlike God. Like you have pent up anger, you've got aggression, you've got bitterness, you've got resentment, you've got judgmentalism, like you've got these things in your heart. And so I'm telling you, there's no way to live a sin-free life. There's not. But we can fight the battle and we can use the tools that we've been given in order to help achieve a sin-free life. God will cover all of our insufficiencies, but he wants us to give it a try. So the word of God its the most important thing that we have whenever it's fighting sin. We must familiarize ourselves with it and we can never depart from it. You read in Psalms 119, 11, the psalmist writes, I've hidden your word in my heart. Why? So that I might not sin against you. We need the word of God written in our hearts. In Joshua 1, 8, he tells them, he says, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. We have to have the word of God in our lives. Otherwise, we don't know where our moral compass lies. In Hebrews 4.12, it says, "'For the word of God is alive and powerful. "'It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, "'cutting between soul and spirit, "'between joint and marrow. "'It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires.'" The reflection of the word of God will reveal things about yourself that you never knew possible. At M18, that's why we always make time for personal reading because I say you can hear the best message you've ever heard in your entire life and it's not gonna do more change in your life than 30 minutes alone with the word of God. It's just not. When the Holy Spirit lives within you and then you read the word of God and he starts revealing truths about your innermost self, it is amazing to watch. And here's the deal, God doesn't condemn you. He convicts you, right? Right? like like whenever you feel that in your life, that little, ooh, like that stings, ooh, that stings, ugh, you know what I mean? God's not doing it to say you're never gonna make it, you sorry piece of crap. You should just turn around and go the other way. What are you even trying to live for me for? God is not an angry God. He's a loving God. He's nudging you gently. He's saying, hey, let's work on this. I'm with you. Let's, let's, Let's work on that. I'm here with you. Anytime that you feel something more powerful than that, It's condemnation, and it's of the devil. It's not of God. See, sometimes the devil poses as a masquerade. He masquerades as an angel of light, and so you'll think that God is angry at you when in all reality, the devil's infiltrated. All right, so the word reveals exactly who we are, and the spirit leads us to transform our heart. And at 1 John 1, 9, here's the good news of all of it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins, and he will purify us from all unrighteousness. You see, forgiveness Instantaneous. Purification, process. We have to embrace the process. All right, second, you gotta be open to doing what it takes to change. You see in the Bible where Jesus asks, do you wanna be made well, right? A lot of people say yes, but then whenever he says, well, do you wanna do what it takes to be made well? (laughs) Not really, you know? Don't expect to be made well if you're not willing to put in the work to make it happen. God's going to help you and be there every step of the way. He's going to catch you. He's going to pick you up when you fall. But you have to be willing to work on some things. Can you identify the triggers that you have in your life? Like, do you know what it is that, that typically prompts your habitual sins? Like, are you willing to put boundaries in your life? Can you stop going to places that make you tempted? right? Like I, I said the other day, I said, if you, uh, if you are a snowman, you should have a different disposition about the desert than most, right? Like, like I, I always think about that scene where Frosty just melts, you know what I mean? Like, oh, well, song's over. Uh, but but if, if we know for a fact that there's something in our lives that, that's going to tempt us, like at all costs, we should avoid it because here's the thing, self-control is great, but it should only be used in the case of emergencies, right? Like it should never be our primary source. Like we should have self-control, but only exercise it if necessary. Um, There's actually a science that's kind of cool to to breaking habits. And uh, studies show that what we do is 40% in our lives, 40% to 90% habitual. How crazy is that? Like the most of the stuff that we do in life is really without even putting any thought into it. The brain is a complex organism, but it's number one goal in life is to preserve energy. And so if it can form these, these neuron paths in our mind that, that can keep it from having to actually think, it does. And then, so we just go into autopilot. How many people have been driving somewhere like to pick your kids up from the daycare and next thing you know, you end up at your office and you're like, ah, like, what just happened? You know what I mean? Like, like, like it, it, You're just like, I was on autopilot. Well, that's habitual. That's part of the 40 to 90% of the stuff that you do without even thinking about it. Like you program your brain and then whatever you set it for, it just autopilots. It's not continually thinking. Well, that's what happens in sin. And so the the habit loop is how every single habit that we have in our life is is triggered. And at first it starts with a trigger or a cue. Like there's something that cues this loop to start. Uh, then it's followed by the routine, which is the actual habit that we see. And then it's typically followed by a reward. This is something that causes pleasure, uh, and it's usually brought on by dopamine, uh, which is all a chemical response. And so in order to break the habit, what we have to do is we have to disrupt that habit loop. I love when science and faith intersect. Uh, So in order to break the habit loop, we have to first identify the trigger like what it is that causes it. And, and like I said, reduce, you know, whenever you read the Lord's Prayer, it's like lead us not into temptation. Like, like keep, us away from the, keep us away from the trigger. Like let's just eliminate that altogether. And then change the routine. Uh, like you have to replace that habit. Uh, there's a guy, his name's Charles Duhigg, and he actually wrote a book. And he says, you cannot destroy a bad habit. You can only change it. Like, we have to replace the routine, and then we substitute the sensation. Like, we we figure out what the reward is, and then we change it. And and so just for instance, the reward that I have now is helping others come to know Christ. Like, that's it. Like, like I know that whenever I replace the sensation, that that the reward is to come to know Christ. Like, some of you guys might have a problem gossiping. You might have a problem slamming people on social media, Like, you might need to delete your account. Like, you might need to remove the temptation. And and then if you successfully do that, then you might reward yourself with a pair of jeans or a trip or a vacation or whatever it is that you see fit. But we have to change the reward system in our brain in order to break this loop. Um, Scripture is full of switcheroos. I see in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul, he writes, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood, it doesn't just end it there, and speak truthfully. So instead of just putting off falsehood, like you got to replace that by, by speaking truth. And so now if, if you have the, the desire that's, that whatever that wells up inside of you to, to give someone else the juicy gossip, instead of doing that, replace it. with talking positive about the same individual that you just wanted to slam, right? Like these are things that we can do. They're just little life hacks that we can put into place, but they're right there found within Scripture. In Ephesians chapter four, he said anyone has been stealing must steal no longer, but... You'll you'll find these all throughout scripture. When you start reading your Bible, you'll be like, oh, it is the bait and switch, but must work doing something useful with their own hands so that they may share with those in need. So next time you think about stealing something, change it. Give something. Give of yourself. Give of your time. Replace it. Every time you start thinking about something, you just replace it with an opposite action. So in Ephesians chapter four, verse 29, it says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, right? Like, so next time you find yourself wanting to relish and pass and war stories and talking about things that do not glorify God whatsoever, catch it. And then give something else out. And over time, you will develop a new habit. So, to be successful, it's not just about abstaining, but it's about increasing positive things, right? Like we can't just strip away everything about ourselves. We have to add positive in. And and I love it, that's what it says whenever it talks about living a life by the Spirit is how you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. Like it's not by trying harder that you're gonna be able to stop gratifying the desires of the flesh, but it's by picking up the things of God and keeping communion with the Holy Spirit. Third thing, you've gotta be transparent with another person about your struggles. It's the T and the drop it like it's hot, all right? So when saying get an attitude, drop it like it's hot, all right? I know know y'all are tracking. So transparency, this is key. You have to let somebody in on what's going on in your head, right? Like open up with one person to begin with. Just start. Tell somebody. You know what they're probably going to say? Yeah, me too. (laughs) Let me show you how right either they're going to probably be going through the same thing or they'll have defeated it at some point in their life right like sin is common to all man we are not unique in our sin nature it, the scripture says that our heart is inherently evil right like that's good news but we have to join each other in trying right you're never going to get better isolated you have to come out into the light whenever light shows up, darkness flees. There's no greater power than exposing the sin in your life if you wanna recover, right? Uh, the other day we was at Redeemed, I'm not gonna mention her name because it redeemed everything. We, we do, we keep it anonymous, but uh, I, I was so proud. There, there, was a, there was a young lady who, uh, she said, you know, I have quite a bit of clean time. She said, uh, today, she said I was uh, thinking about something and she said, uh, man, a mimosa sounded good. <laughs> He so said, I wasn't in fear of drinking. Uh, I was nowhere near it, but uh, I, I wanted to get that out so that the enemy couldn't use it. I was so stinking proud because it's amazing what happens and how much power is lost whenever we err out our sins. The enemy can't work on it. And it was the true embodiment of Hebrews chapter 12, verse one. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. If you become transparent with someone about the nature of your sin, you will have an advocate that can help you in this life overcome. Do you want to be made well? I think that's what Jesus is asking today. Do you wanna be made well? And so as we close in prayer, I just wanna give you guys an opportunity. And I, I do ask for anonymity during this. Just don't, don't be the one person that's got one eye rolling around to see who's raising their hand. Let, let's, let's genuinely give people their privacy in this moment with God, knowing that, that they're really confessing something in their life that they've had a hard time with, even though it is common to all man, it's something that has them in personal bondage. And so if everyone could just bow their head and, and close their eyes. If you want me to just, just pray for you, and, and this isn't the, 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 this is just something that's between you and God. It's not a specific sin whatsoever. It can be anything across the board. Uh, I'll even do this. It, I will give you the opportunity that if you want to bridge the gap, for someone else that you know that is locked up in sin, so nobody will know the difference, then please just bow your head, close your eyes, and if you could just slip your hand up if you would like prayer and know someone else that needs it. More people than not. So Heavenly Father God, I just ask you, Lord, to just honor honor the hands, God, and the people that have it in their heart, Lord, that. They just wanna be made well God. I just pray that like your scripture says, Lord, that you will just give them the desire which you already have or they wouldn't have raised their hand. And now we're asking for the power, Lord. We need the power, God. We need the power of your Holy Spirit to reveal things in us that are unrighteous, God. We need the power so that we can carry out the things that you've given us, God. And we need the grace, Lord, the grace to carry on because, Lord, we know how exhausting it can be, God, to just carry that sin that we were never meant to carry, Lord, because you took it for us on the cross, God. I just pray that you will show everyone in here, God, how to continually overcome the the sin that so easily ensnares us, God, and that you will put community in people's lives, community of people that they don't just show up because it's an obligation, God, but they show up because they want to, because they genuinely love the individuals that you've surrounded them. God, we know it makes such a difference to have that relationship, Lord, and uh, we just pray this expecting, God, and we just pray it in Jesus' name. Hey guys, Pastor Bronson here. I pray that this message that you just listened to helps you and assists you in your journey with Jesus. And if you want to get connected in our church, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock.